0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin here with my good friend and yours, Aaron Porter, for yet another episode of the podcast. I'm wondering, Aaron, have you looked into the mailbag recently? I haven't checked it. Have you? I I have. But I want to know, where are you at your son's right now? I am. I am still in Florida. We have moved from the Airbnb where Allie and I spent a glorious month across the street from the beach. A little too soon to come home to Tennessee because my youngest granddaughter has a birthday next Monday. So we're going to stay until that seventh birthday so we can be here for the party. And then we're going to head home. I'm ready to get home. Ready to go. Hey, and you've
2: got a good enough internet that a you're on today and B you can hear about
1: half of the words I'm saying. So awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Still a little glitchy, but this is better than the internet at the condo. Uh, It may be that I'm because I'm at the far end of the house. The signal isn't super strong here, but I'm trying to, there's a lot of activity in the house right now and I want to keep it quiet for background noise.
2: So, listeners, if Nate responds in a way that does not relate at all to the previous sentence, that's why. He's just trying to guess what half of the sentence was. Yes, that's
1: exactly it. That's how it will go down
2: today. Well, I have reached into the mailbag, and I am going okay. to—this uh, th- is, this is a question that is very specific, so I'm going to make it more general so okay. that— It will apply to more listeners, I hope. The question is is about folks who come into uh, groups, could be virtual, could be in person, and they are struggling to follow the protocol. It might be crosstalk. It might be someone that comes in, and when they're doing their sharing time, it becomes more of a sermon where they're talking about what we all need Mm -hmm. to know, or possibly they use a lot of we language, which we try to stay away from. For those of you that are in groups, we try to say I and speak for myself and not we as a whole. We call that weing on mm-hmm. each other. And we try not to wee on each mm-hmm. other. We're not that kind of group. So this question is how do we how do we deal with that? Because we want to be gracious. We want guys to come in where they're at, and maybe that's just the way they've always done it. Well, at the same time, we want to keep the group feeling safe and help them mm-hmm. to kind of enter into the flow of what is this group. So what what do yeah. we do when that is coming up in our group so that we don't hurt the other person, but kind of preserve what the intention of the safety of the group is?
1: Well, um, I think the one thing that we want to avoid as much as we possibly can is shaming the person who's behaving in an inappropriate way. Uh, It just really does not work to shame people into better behavior as a rule. And very often it is shame that's been driving their maladaptive behavior to begin with, shame or fear or some other you know, deep emotion. So I would say, first of all, let's, unless it is completely unavoidable, don't confront the person in front of the group. Uh, and if that means that for this week, we're going to kind of take a bullet and we're going to sit through a sermon. Nobody wants to hear just so that in the meeting, after the meeting, somebody can take him aside lovingly and explain to him what he could have done better. Um, then that's the price we'll have to pay. That's been uh, and now, when if a guy does that repeatedly, week after week, and is not picking up on the cues or the clues, or is not responding to uh, you know instruction, correction, reproof that's coming privately, you know, then it gets then it gets harder and stickier. But I frankly. What I have found is that guys will respond to a private conversation and change the way they behave in the group, you know, week by week. That's what I've seen over the years. So there's two
2: other pieces. One is that's a huge part uh, or benefit of the meeting after the meeting that we hope all guys are doing with in-person meetings. When we skip out on that, we skip Mm -hmm. out on those conversations that help us grow And really become friends with each other. But if guys are on the virtual Mm -hmm. meeting, the meeting after the meeting is really Slack. And so that is a place that you can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. However, a a private Slack conversation with a person is devoid of all uh, nonverbal cues that you're not upset with them or angry with them. And so we really need in both situations to have good language, which often starts with asking permission. To say, hey, I've, I've been thinking about something, and can I have permission to to give you a thought of our times in the meeting together? Something that gives them a chance to say, yes, I give you permission uh-huh. to give me this information. Like That alone yeah, goes yeah, an yeah. awful long ways. But we have to be extra careful when we're writing. You got to pour extra syrup on those pancakes.
1: <laughs> oh, is that, that true? Does that sound yeah.
2: like a Southern idiom? I don't know. Making the shit. Yeah,
1: congratulations, congratulations. You're you're starting to uh, you're starting to adapt to your new environment. That's great. (laughs) It should have been like more butter on some biscuits or something.
2: But anyways, uh, yeah, I I think it it is it is a lot like sous videing meat. You got to put about twice as much seasoning on it when you're writing on Uh Slack and having that conversation, Uh or else you're going to lose all flavor of love. And I I do think you're right that. Most guys, when you talk through it with them, they kind of get the aha. Oh, man, I didn't even notice I did that. Okay, I'll try. And man, if you reach out to someone in person or on Slack based Mm on something that they're struggling with and you see them do better, follow up and be like, that was so cool last week. I saw you thinking about that last week and you did
1: awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah! Congratulations on what you didn't say this week. Uh, don't. I you know <laughs> say it like. Oh, I've done that. I've done that. Hey, I, I've done right. that.
2: Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that just sounds sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I well, guess if it's true, you know, then it won't I, feel sarcastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah, don't don't but, be afraid to encourage on the other side. Yeah
1: exactly exactly
2: so and and all then right. if, if if anything gets weirder than that or harder than that then reach out to reach out to Nate personally and ask him to deal with it <laughs> you don't have to fix it
1: hand it off <laughs> no this is uh, all of these all of these situations have to be handled relationally right And it's uh right, so we have to develop and maintain caring relationships with one another. And we will listen to someone who we know cares about us, knows us, has listened, and cares about us. Uh the odds that we'll respond positively and enthusiastically when we hear from somebody we don't know, or you know, a message from the powers that be. You know, that's that's a that's a different animal. Yeah, for sure. We are friends. We are friends, yeah.
2: Well, speaking of developing friendships, I think can we try to find someone to come on the show to speak a little bit about how they develop friendships,
1: Nate? <laughs> oh, I don't <laughs> I don't think there's anybody else in the world who is doing it at all like Samson Society does. There's nothing anybody could do that would uh yeah, uh, teach us anything we don't know. Or replicate anything that we're doing. Hold, hold Probably on. Not. Let me get my. I think rolodex. we're completely
2: unique. I'm, I'm getting my <laughs> rolodex out. Hold on, shuffling through. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I might have found someone. Uh, listeners, hang on a second. We're gonna try to get him on the horn here. Uh, and and see what we can learn about developing authentic, vulnerable friendships. So we'll be right back when we're done doing that.
1: Now, welcome back to the Pirate Monk podcast. We are privileged to have with us as our guest today, the host of the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, Jarrett Samuels, is joining us today from Indianapolis. Hey, Jarrett.
0: Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor. The pursuit of manliness. Oh, we gotta
2: we gotta define Ooh. some terms here. Tell me, what in the hell is manliness?
0: Well, I go to uh, I, I what I describe it as Genesis one and two, where God lays out the mandate for being a man to start with, and it was that we are creating God's image, that we are to work and keep what's been entrusted to us, we're to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, We're to have dominion, which means our presence should matter. And if we marry, we marry a woman. So those five things all happened long before we ever messed it up and decided to redefine it and argue about it. And God made it pretty clear. And uh, those are the non-negotiables the way that I see it. Okay, I'm totally going off
2: of the direction we just said we were going. So (laughs) anyways, what... What have you found since you've started working in this area are the things that derail Mm -hmm. men's concept and personal ideas and feelings of manliness in their own lives?
0: I think there's a couple things. One would be the way we view God, our creator, is often reflected in how we viewed our dad, if we had one or not. And so we put the attributes of our earthly father on our Heavenly Father, which really isn't fair to either one of them. So for some guys, they feel like, you know, my dad was never there. He's abusive. He manipulated. He whatever. They put those attributes onto God and we realize that's that's not who God is. And so that, that we need to have a more accurate understanding of who he is. And we get that through the pages of scripture. The second thing, which I think is pretty closely tethered to that to a degree, is all men are far more insecure than they will admit. You know, I used to give a, a you know a hard knock on ladies and you know their Bible studies and their emotions and all this. And what I found is men are just as emotional. We're just as all those things that ladies are. We just project it quite differently. Where ladies might be a little more expressive about it, guys are a lot more passive, aggressive about it. So all guys have insecurities. All guys have broken bones that didn't heal right. We all have ways that we've been let down, ways that our pride and ego has taken a hit, ways that we thought we would be better than what we are. We measure ourselves all the time, which is an endless game. There's a, it's a no-win game to measure yourself. So, I think those two things. I think struggling to find an accurate picture of our Creator and realizing that we do have insecurities, and but every everybody does.
1: Mm.
2: Nate, I'm giving a pause really? so you can jump in because I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That is Open-eyed, so good so so okay so good and so good and so true that uh you know your description of the human condition you know I think we try to differentiate ourselves from the opposite sex more than God does. I will tell you this uh, Aaron and I shit canned a uh, podcast yesterday before we even did the interview. Because shortly before the interview was supposed to start, we finally read the promotional material that came with the approach when the guest was pitched to us. And so here's a guy pitching his version of manliness. Mm. And I mean, it was just such a toxic train wreck. Uh, oh, man. It's just anyway. Anyway. Uh, what I like about what I'm hearing from you, Jarrett, is how realistic, empathetic, and biblical you are in your understanding, at least of what I'm hearing so far, in <laughs> what a man is. Yeah, we're yeah. a little wary of to be la- of all manliness. Yeah. <laughs> when we try to be larger than life, right. uh, because somehow we think that's what a man is. So, yeah, but this guy yesterday, you know, he doesn't live at human speed anymore. He lives at God's speed. He's uh, he's at Mach three. He's, uh, you know what I mean? And, I uh, if you sign up for his program, you can learn to live at Mach three too. Um, <clears throat> yikes. It, uh, 40, that I'm gets 47. us into trouble.
0: I'm 47. I don't want to live at Mach three. I'm good with what I'm going. I'm good on my pace. <laughs> yeah. I, <don't> have <laughs> I, I think it's
2: what Nate's talking about brings up this I, idea that gets put out an awful lot, uh, In the world about this alpha versus beta males and somehow one is supposed to try to develop this alpha thing instead of realizing we were created in a certain way and the most beautiful thing is for us to become who god created us to be and to have a right view of him and the way you're describing a right view of him trickles back to a right view of me that my identity is never detached from a growing Right view of God's grace and love, and passion for who He made me to be as a man.
0: Mm-hmm. I know for me. So when my I have three kids, they're all they're grown, they're grown, but they're growing. I should say they're not grown; they're still in my house. I'm still paying for them. But they, uh, when my son was born, he was he was placed in the NICU, and I've shared the story at nauseum, But I prayed for him, like God heal him. I mean, all the popcorn prayers that we pray. And one of the things I prayed was, God, if you help this boy fight, I'll fight. You know, and I don't even know what, what that meant. I thought that sounds ignorant to even say, it. I mean, I thought that in the moment. How stupid does that sound? Because I was just a I was just an apathetic guy. I wasn't a depressed guy, but I would be depressing to be around. I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I'm married with two, mm-hmm. I got two daughters, the whole deal. But I'm pretty blah. You know, just the idea that you, eventually it'll all get better. Or eventually, you know, and delusional would be the word I would use. And so God really woke me up through the birth of my son and, and the things he had to go through. My son survived. He's good. He's 10. But uh, that was a real stirring. And so for me, when I felt God really stirring me to, I didn't even know what it looked like, to be honest with you. I went back to Genesis 1, and I thought, I'm going to look at this, and I'm going to try to figure out with a serious focus, a serious intent, who God is, and I'm going to learn from the people in Scripture. You know, Almost almost challenging God, if you will, without actually you know saying those words. I'm getting in this and I'm going to figure this thing out. What I realized was we have an incredible God. I already kind of knew that, but I wasn't living that. Number two, these guys are a mess. I mean, Jacob's a terrible dad. When I when I read about these people, I'm like, they're just an utter mess. But it began a stirring in me that I we are created for so much more than to just exist. And not only that, along the way, this stirring and trying to figure this thing out, I don't have it figured out. You know, there's nothing special about me. But I do believe God has laid a conviction on my heart to try to help others figure it out. So the pursuit of manliness was something that I don't even know how I came up with that term. Uh, a buddy of mine said mm-hmm. pursuit. because he, he said hey, it kind of gives the image that you're not there yet. And I'm like, well, I knew I wasn't there. And so I remember uh. I remember starting a Facebook page because I thought, well, women have all these fun things. I didn't know of anything that existed And uh, I remember I started it, and a few days later, I told my wife I was like, "Hey, I'm thinking about starting this thing called the Pursuit of Manliness," and kind of gave her this big. I thought she'd be so excited and think it was awesome, and she said, "I as she said, if you want to practice your manliness, our toilet's leaking right now." And I thought that's not Mm -hmm. what I that's not what I meant. (laughs) She's right, (laughs) and I thought. Well, I don't know how to fix a toilet, but maybe I should figure it out. I go to YouTube or whatever. But the point is, like, we can be a lot of things. We can say we're a lot of things. But until we actually do those things, we're just all talk. There's nothing to us.
2: So wait, I mean, we can move on. That's a fine anecdote. But I'm curious. First, did you fix
0: the toilet? You know, I don't think I did, to be honest with you. You know, I was going to get to it eventually. You know, that works. I don't think I did fix the toilet. I (laughs) I remember fixing a toilet in that house, but I don't know if that was the one. So I'm not going to take credit for it. So what what emotion do you think you missed out on by not fixing that toilet? Relief. Uh, Relief because I probably made it worse in that moment. So, yeah. No, I think, but here's the thing my (laughs) wife has told me. My wife told me this about three years ago. And it was a, it was a compliment, but it was a oh, a gut punch at the same time. she said you know we've been married for I think it's 22 years now and she said, I've had two husbands and they're both you. I had the the guy that I married mm-hmm. and now I have a man of God. and Damn. I thought it's a phrase mm-hmm. that I say all the time you'll know there is a real difference in your life when other people notice the difference in your life. If you have to tell people you lost weight, mm-hmm. you didn't lose any weight. If you got to tell them you're working out, you're mm-hmm. not working out. like when they start to see something different in you that only God can do, then you know it's genuine.
2: Yeah. All right, so I'm thinking, you've you've mentioned a number of things, and I imagine they all play into this pursuit of manliness, and you've found unique ways in touching on that. So let me throw them out. The last thing you just said that your wife asked you to do is discovering manliness in the small duties mm. of being a father, of being a husband, finding joy in doing those things and supporting those people two is pursuing manliness and seeing more clearly how God sees you through knowing him more. Then I know there are activities that you don't have to be told you're manly. And I imagine they're different for other people. Um, If, if I go into a gym and get on a mat and roll around with another man between his legs, I will feel manly. Without being told, I know I I made that awkward. But it's something where nobody's telling you in a in a gym will say that that was very manly of you to step up. It's just you're doing it, you feel it, you enjoy it, and it binds you together with other people. But then Nate and I have been a part of communities where affirming other people as men verbally is what that pursuit of manliness is. So here's experiences you don't need to be told. Here's other times you need another man to say that was beautiful. That was hard. Yep. You're a man. So you've got like the duty thing, the yeah. God identity experiences that don't require words, experiences that do require words. How is, how has this all come together in you helping other
0: men find that? For for me, I think it, it's two words and I used one of them earlier, but I'm a big person that I'm, a, I'm not a big person. I'm five, eight, but I'm a big believer in, presence matters. So sometimes your presence needs to be words. Sometimes it's actions. If I walk into a room, if I walk into wherever you guys are, let's say leading a a conference on something, I don't need to be the speaker. I don't need to be the sound guy. I can be the guy taking out the garbage. I can be the guy that sets up chairs. I can be the guy that doesn't say anything to anybody. I know because of my identity, who I am creating in God's image that I don't have to tell people or you know try to, but there are times like my daughter, she has a boyfriend, they have friends that come over. Oh, I'm going to be present. I'm not going to sit on the couch and eat pizza with you like I'm 18, but I'm going to be present because presence matters. So first of all, I think you have to be present. And so that means when I come home, my presence matters. I got to shake the dust of the day off in the garage and say that that junk can't come into the house because I did that for too many years. And the second thing is, I think we have to take responsibility. So I have a wife and three kids. I'm responsible to them, for them, I provide for them, whatever. If I lead a discipleship group, if I lead, you know, a church or a ministry, I'm responsible to those people, not necessarily for those people because I can't make anybody do anything. And so God's mm-hmm. called us to make disciples and teach and do all these different things, but I can't I, I don't want to manipulate anyone into behaviors or anything like that. So to me, I'm a big proponent for your presence matters wherever you're at. When I go to a ball game or whatever, that matters. And number two, I have to take responsibility. You don't have to be alpha male. I don't work out. I don't do that. I'd die if I rolled around on a mat with some. I don't have no desire to do that. But maybe some of the things I do, another guy says, I don't want to do that either. That doesn't make either one of us less of a man. Right. But what mm-hmm. makes us less of a man is when we start punting on our responsibilities or we start deferring things to other people that we should be doing ourselves. I think that's when it makes you less of a man. Let's unpack that for a second. Mm -hmm. The difference between
2: being responsible to and being responsible for is insanely important, because if I take responsibility for someone, I start trying to control their behavior because their behavior reflects on my identity. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Nate, what do you hear? I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's been a while since we've talked about responsible to versus responsible for. What does that mean to you, especially coming from your Church past and pastoral past, where you're definitely supposed to be responsible for everybody else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this comes into focus in the Samson Society, for example, in the Silas relationship. Mm. Um, And we make it really clear up front the Silas is the guy who's walking with you for the stretch of the road, and he's going to be there. You can depend on his presence, Uh, but he's not an authority. He's not an expert. He's not a guy who has all his stuff together. He's a guy who will be there. He'll remember the things you tend to forget, ask the questions you tend to avoid. Mostly what he's going to do is remind you who you really are, and he is going to benefit from this relationship as much as you are. Um, what happens if I go into that relationship thinking that I have an authoritative role, and now I really, it becomes my responsibility to, to make sure that this guy does the work of recovery and recovers, uh, now it starts to get in a dangerous place for him and for me. I'm taking the initiative away from him. That's why in a Silas relationship, typically I want I want him to be calling me rather than me calling him. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to be responsive, but I'm not going to take responsibility for his recovery. That's his. Uh, however, um, being present and being responsive. Takes work, and it takes discipline, and it takes dedication, and it's not always convenient, but it is always mutually beneficial.
0: Nice, I, I, I agree. Yeah. We, we said, and I can try that. Everyone has something to add to the conversation, a whole bunch to take away. I don't. I would never want to become yeah. a man who wasn't teachable. I never want to become a man who's an authority figure on anything. I want to be a man of conviction or a man who's not budging on certain things, but I don't ever want to be perceived as a guy that says, come sit at my feet. I will teach you the way of whatever, because you will yeah. be grossly disappointed in about 36 seconds. So what I do want to say is, hey, here, I've learned some things. Here's Jesus. Here's here's a community and go from there. But if you're looking for a life coach, no, I'm, I would definitely not be your guy. Mm, and it's even, worse <laughs> it's even worse if they're not disappointed. I mean, it's,
2: If somebody wants to sit at at any of our feet, we'd rather them be disappointed than be in awe of it
0: because that's just going to lead to far worse trouble than their disappointment. There is not a person on this planet, Mm -hmm. including my wife and kids, who are in awe of me, I promise. They they know, like Mm -hmm. they know, but that's the beauty of real relationships and real community. When they get to know you, when there is trust, you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. And then that's when the brotherhood starts to be developed. You're like, I don't have to project that I'm something great. If you met me at the grocery store here in an hour, this I would be the exact same person, whether it's stage, a chair, mm-hmm. wherever. And to me, that's that's the mark of someone who understands, again, identity in our creator, but also the fact that I don't have to be the loudest guy in the room. I don't have to be the one mm-hmm. up front. I don't have to be the one being seen. I'm good with just being in the room. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, with your tribe, is, is it true that kind of open to new guys coming
0: in chunks what like three months or something like that chunks is a good word yes uh so we open it up it's a six month commitment so every six months it opens back up okay so why do you do that because it seems like if you were a proper
2: marketing guru you certainly (laughs) would not limit it to once
0: every six months the door is open so why was that important my thought, well, first of all, when I first did Tribe, I knew I had no genuine men of God brothers in my life. I had him, I had just moved to Indianapolis, didn't have anybody. And mm-hmm. a guy in a group said he needs some friends. I was like, oh, I need friends, but I can't tell him I don't have any friends. So I created this thing called Tribe in about 36 seconds. I use that number again, but I used I did it quickly. We had 10 guys, we did it for free, and six of them quit in the first month. And I said, Well, this isn't going very well at all. So uh, we are down to four guys. I said we scrapped it after five months. So then I started, let's do a six month commitment. My thought process was it was long enough for you to start to see some growth, but not too long that it would just become, you know, like an endless cycle because you're right from a marketing standpoint, you have them sign up and then maybe they never leave or however you want or do it monthly or whatever. But what we really wanted was to see a real difference in someone's life. And so it, I mean, it, I've, I've learned so many lessons through tribe. It's unbelievable. I feel like I have a psychology degree just by doing this community, but what we're starting to see is wives notice the difference in their husbands are saying, Hey, you're mm-hmm. going to sign up for that. Right. Or they're saying when a guy like we had a guy in tribe who was having like an anxiety attack in the parking lot of his church, he couldn't go in. His wife went in when she came out, she's just in the front seat talking to him. She said, have you told your tribe? And he said, yep. You know, he, so he had these guys all across the globe praying for him. We didn't, we couldn't get to him, but we could all pray for him in that moment. And so the goal was for that period of time, guys will have that new car smell in the beginning, then it kind of wears off, and then maybe you're back. So it gives you kind of an ebb and flow of almost like a, like a college course, if you will, you know, like a, a so many, you know, period of time. So. And the reason I
2: brought up before those different facets of what you're talking about from experiences to having a place that you're verbally being told stuff in that six months, you're kind of trying to create these different pieces of a man's
0: journey, right? Yes. What does that look like? So every week there's a challenge video that they can choose to respond to or not. And I'd say, half maybe respond to it and sometimes it's lighthearted like hey show us your everyday carrier whatever you know guys all of a sudden the atf is swirling around our houses because guys are pulling all this junk out of their pockets and sometimes it's something deeper like you know what sin is so easily entangling you or whatever and so the the point is it it creates an opportunity they can decide do i want to be honest with this group or not and it's a two or three minute video it's not long and then it gives guys an opportunity to respond back to what they're saying some guys do it, some guys don't. And we say all the time, if you engage, you'll grow. If you engage in any type of community that's that's good for you, you will grow. Some guys take advantage of it. Obviously, there's some that won't, but we do Zoom calls where we walk through scripture and stuff. The other night we walked through I don't know, a chapter of a book we're reading. And stuff. But the th- interesting thing is we got this guy, um, Roger, and I've used him as an illustration many times. I think he's 60 some years old. Forgive me, Roger, if you're younger than that. But one time I remember on a call, he's like, I hate Zoom. As he was getting ready to do, we all hate Zoom. We all do. We'd rather be face to face, but it's a good tool. And the cool thing was when I had some of the tribe guys over to my house this year before the retreat, Roger walks my backyard and it's like we've known each other forever. We had never been in Mm -hmm. the same space before. And that's the thing because I know Roger's a mess and he knows I'm a mess. I know some of his insecurities. Mm -hmm. He knows some of mine. And when we meet face to face, we're already brothers. I don't have to ask, what do you do for a living? Where are you from? We're done with that. And some of those things Mm -hmm. that you never get beyond, you know, when you, when some guys will never get beyond that first layer, we've been doing it for 26 weeks. And so me and Roger and everyone else, we're beyond that stuff. Hmm. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. So how has this thing proliferated and grown? You've got guys from all over joining tribe. How's that going?
0: It's going well. We're in, I think we're in our 11th session right now. So I, okay. I, I count the first one, the swing and a miss. We, we, we have our 11th session right now. We have guys from the UK, uh, literally before we started, I had a guy in the UK. Sent, I'm the, the point man for you for the international guys. He sent me a message. He's having surgery tomorrow. It's now seven 30 UK time, but he's getting ready. You know, he's winding down he's asking for prayer from his international tribe brothers yeah. Um so it's just cool to be able to do that with these guys across the globe. We have guys across the uh the country. They meet up. We go on hikes or camp outs or the retreat. Um, you know, it sounds weird. These guys I met online, I'm gonna go to retreat. you think you're gonna end up in an icebox somewhere. That's what's gonna happen to you. Uh yeah. but what happens is these guys <laughs> they, as they travel, as they go through states where hey, I'm going through, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, anybody in that area? And they meet up and they grab a burger or whatever, and yeah. it, it's like it's that kindred spirit of the divine thread of Jesus uniting us all together. We know none of us are perfect. We already know that, so we don't have yeah. to. That facade's yeah. over. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And how, how is this impacting life and ministry for you locally in Indianapolis, right there in the church where you work? We we are a very
0: friendly church. We're not a strong relationally church. They know that, so it's not like I'm. We're just that's mm-hmm. the, the kind of the DNA of us right now. So for me. In a lot of ways, this tribe has supplemented what what has been missing for me. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we talk about components. Like when all these guys show up in the fall of the retreat, our church is like, what in the world? Um, Because what you'll have 200 guys come to this building. We're only a church of like 120. So our 30 guys, 170. Um, But what's happening is we're starting to see. It connect to the church. I got guys in tribe who pray for the church every weekend and I'll let the church know that, you know, Hey, Rob in South Carolina is yeah. praying for you guys or whatever. So it's, it's again, that image of we're on the same team together.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: They absolutely. love. And it. they get
2: together and, and I was, I was thinking of different manly uh, <laughs> programs yeah. that, you know, uh-huh. you might do a but, high ropes but, course or something like that so that you're experiencing a bit of a shared trauma. If guys are scared of heights, we're doing it together. Team building exercises.
1: And square dancing, right? Square dancing? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I'm dancing sorry, with nobody. I'm <laughs> maybe
0: my wife, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> like last year for the retreat, we had a tribe portion, you know, for the guys that were there. If you're here, here's what we're doing. And we, we have a local state park and there's a three mile hike. It's a loop. It's not hard at yeah. all. It's like hundred feet elevation change. It's pretty... Pretty much going for a walk in the woods but we had 40 guys go 40 guys walking and the, yeah. i was concerned that the state park never checked on us because we had plates from all over the country but the thing was when we got done with that there were guys in that group that said that was the hardest thing i ever did but i'm coming back and doing it again now for me i'm thinking a three mile walk in the woods was the hardest thing you ever did but they did it yeah, they yeah. did it because we had this brotherhood and we had pins that we gave them when it was over because they did the deal and stuff there are guys already asking next for next year are we doing it they want to be a part of that That's that shared experience. They're talking to each other as they walk in.
2: And and that's the the thing that I was thinking is it it is not often considered with these team building and those types of exercises that to finally be vulnerable and share my real story with another man face to face and in person is far scarier than jumping off a tower with a cord attached to you. Oh yeah, And that, sure. that becomes the bonding, the, the exact same bonding component, except it's not one that was built on overcoming a physical fear, but an emotional and vulnerable fear. And then guys walk away bonded to one another because it is scary and they were brave. That was an act of
0: courage. Mm-hmm. And what makes mm-hmm. those gatherings mm-hmm. special, whether we go and camp or hike or shoot guns or I mean, guys do everything, They whatever, whatever you want to do, you can do it. We got a guy who wants to do a pig in the ground, luau thing do it. God bless them. Guys will show up and they'll eat meat from the ground. We don't care. Whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, But the point is that brotherhood was already etched in stone, if you will, because of those conversations, because the guys that do come that we really don't know and they're kind of on the periphery. We're like, I don't know. Is his name Mark? I don't know. I don't remember his name. I don't know. But the guys that you do, you're like, there he is. Like, that's the guy, you know, like you, because it is scary because if I jump out of a plane and I die, well, then I'm dead. doesn't matter. If I jump out of a plane and I make it, then we high five and I have a great picture to put on social media. If I tell you a sin, that's not very high five worthy, is it? But what happens is when I start, we start to talk about real things, there's a connection, an invisible connection, if you will, from heart to heart. And when that heart to heart mm-hmm. begins to affect your marriage in a positive way, like when I go on these events things with like hiking, whatever. My wife has no question of the quality of human beings that I'll be doing life with for the next four or five days. She knows when I come back, I will be, I'll smell worse, but I will be a better man than when I left. Like our marriage will be better because of the brotherhood, because we're all fighting for each other in different ways. And isn't it beautiful that that, that
2: version of courage and manliness, the doors open to everybody, whether they're a football player, the super tough or owns a bunch of guns and they look super tough or they're creative and maybe like to write poetry and nobody would think that the stuff they're into is manly. Everybody can engage or withdraw from this act of courage, which is to trust other men with honesty in the journey. That door to manliness and masculinity is open to everyone.
0: And that's the point of like the challenge videos and some of the things we talk about. It isn't go show me your arsenal of weapons. We never do that. The everyday carry, I find fascinating. We got a guy that carries like pliers. Why do you carry pliers? Mm Because my dad always said carry pliers. We got a guy who carries handkerchief, whatever. It doesn't matter. But what we find is- I'd be chapstick. I'm already embarrassed for myself. That's my everyday carry. That's all I've got. (laughs) (laughs) What you find is there are some fascinating human beings out there who do write poetry, who do write books, who do- you know, love landscaping or do whatever it is, what you have to do as an individual is also get beyond your preconceived idea of do I measure up? Because Mm -hmm. there are some guys that no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they can't get beyond their insecurity of, I don't know if I measure up or not. Listen, I said, I'm 47 years old. I'm married for 22 years. I got three kids. I'm done measuring up against other guys. That's over. I don't have to do that no more. I don't care if you think I'm too short, too tall, too ugly, too gray. It doesn't matter. All that matters is I'm going to follow Jesus and I hope my bride can, continues to love me. That, To me, those are the things that matter. Along the way, I think we're building a brotherhood of guys that shouldn't be. I tell them this in the beginning. This is not eHarmony. We don't care what you look like, what you sound like. what you, It doesn't matter. All we want you to do is be honest. And if you're honest, you're going to find a brotherhood here.
2: Well, that's oh. easy for you to say. You've got a ZZ top level beard, so I mean, <laughs> okay, you that's can't go wrong. That's how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's isn't it great, Nate,
1: listening to the other the other communities uh, uh, that are walking in this? Oh, oh, this is just awesome! You know, to talk to talk with a guy about a community that has you know that we share DNA with. It's the same. It gives me confidence that we've all heard from the same source. We're all drawing from the same well. We're hearing the same voice. We're doing the same stuff. Well, Nate, that's uh, awesome. But you guys. Nate, that's
0: awesome reading your book because I thought you got these guys face to face. And isn't yeah, that yeah. The, ideal, the ideal picture is face to face. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, we tell yeah. them, we couldn't get you guys all in the same room on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock, but we can get you on Zoom and you can yeah. be, you know, doing the dishes or you can be whatever and you can connect with us. And we're going to redeem technology for good. But ideally, we want you to be in a church. We want you to be in a men's group. We want you to be in a small group. You've got to You got to have face-to-face too. Mm.
2: And that has been uh, something that we have got to enjoy each year as guys from our Zoom, our virtual meetings from all over, get to meet for the first time. Or when we see people that we've only seen on screens. When you describe that, that is a familiar sight and one of our favorites by far, those first couple oh, hours yeah. of guys showing up to retreats that have never met in person or haven't seen each other for a year.
0: I wish you could get it on video. It's just hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I remember yeah, the first yeah. year we did a retreat. I, I didn't know if anybody would show up. And here I'm sitting in our, our gathering place coffee area, and I'm looking at guys thinking, I can't believe they're sitting here. I mean, you're not awestruck, but you're like, there he is. Like, there's the guy. Like, that's it's so cool. to, get to
1: <laughs> And he's a lot shorter than I thought he was or taller. Oh yeah. man, guys,
0: guys say that, that, that all the time. I thought you were taller. I thought you were shorter. I'm like,
1: whatever.
2: You know, that yeah. is, that is still the weirdest thing to me when I see people that have been on zoom meetings, it's really the height thing since yeah. everybody looks the same height in a zoom meeting. And then you meet
0: them and you're like, holy cow, six, six, what is happening right here? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> every, every once
0: in a while there's a guy that we, that will show up and we think I did not realize he was that tall. You know, like there's know. always a guy you're like how did that happen?
2: <laughs> yes. Well, that is so cool. How do people find you and connect with you and and
0: learn more about this? The the easiest thing is the pursuit of manliness.com. It's a long website, but you go there, you can find whatever you're looking for that 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 we're doing or whatever. Okay. Well, that's where they go to. Thank you for
2: sharing your story with us or a part of it. That even, that wasn't even your story. That was just what you're stoked
1: about right now. (laughs) I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Okay. We need to spend, we need to spend time together. We really, really do in the future. And you're only up in Indianapolis. That's a four or five hour drive from where we are in, uh, in Nashville, and actually, I, Aaron and I are going up to Indiana to do uh, Forty Eight Hours of Frankness weekend sometime at the end of April. We'll we'll ah, be in your neighborhood, and I hope sometime you'll be in ours. We need to we need to spend some time together, face to face. Yeah, I love. I, I was telling you, I love Tennessee. You're going to be all over that
0: place here in a what about a few weeks? So yeah, I'd love to have you on talk okay. about your book and, and what you guys do too. I'd okay. love to have that conversation. All right we'll Let's hit do us it. up when yeah. you pass Let's it through we'll grab a burger you got it man okay all right and we
2: Thanks, will Jared. be right back here on the pirate Monk podcast on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Man, it is it is fun to talk to a cousin. That's what it felt like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. By gosh, a brother, a big brother. I don't know, definitely. I mean, we are in the same tribe. Uh, yeah. That, that was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful.
2: It also makes me feel happy. I, I mean, we both spent enough time in the church to see how often... Uh, folks are looking for a new and innovative way to reach out to men or to grow a thing, an organization. Mm -hmm. Man, innovation is not what we need. Just community with the same stuff. I love how simple Samson is. Yeah. yeah, This this is not a complex machine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, when Jesus called his friends, and, and that's what he, 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 at one point, reiterated to his disciples, that he had called them friends. This is how I think of you. Um, I, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. He said, hey, uh, I got things to do. Why don't you come along? Let's walk together. Let's do this thing together. And it was that companionship, that shared activity, doing life together day after day, week after week, month after month that changed lives, and in the long term, changed the world. And what an important principle,
2: especially for those who have done it for a while and they start to lead in this, that Jesus did not stop doing what he was called to do, to sit and placate the spiritual needs of the people who were following him. He just said, come Mm -hmm, on, mm -hmm. I'm going to keep doing this, but you can do it with me. And I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. is something that uh, I certainly have seen in the church where people are like, will you stop and counsel me? Will you stop your life and just focus on me and that's how I will grow spiritually? It's like, no, it's not yeah. how you're going to grow spiritually. You coming along for the walk mm-hmm. with somebody else who's walked a little farther, just someone older, someone that has some experience, just yeah, walk yeah. with them.
1: So it's simple. Well, I do, it's I, I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I do like that Jarrett and his guys do so much uh, on the road walking. Uh, he mm-hmm. mentioned to us that he'll be in Tennessee in just a few weeks doing a hike out Falls Creek, Fall Creek Falls with a bunch of guys. You and I have got something in the works for uh, June of this year. We're going to go for a walk in England. Um, so much I have learned walking with other guys. It, it's amazing. Sometimes at the front end, you know people are looking to me to be you know the all knowing the all seeing the teacher it, it, that doesn't last very long you get close to me for very long and you see uh you know how really really uh flawed and human i am and now it becomes mutually beneficial this walk that we're taking together we learn together as we walk together
2: yeah I think we need to have a breakout session for people like you at the annual retreat on how to look like an Mm -hmm. asshole quicker. I could lead that just so easily. Oh, and that way, you know, there wouldn't be this (laughs) awkward time where they're like, "Man, he seems like he has it together." I could teach guys like you
1: (laughs) how to look bad just a
2: little faster. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's it. Let's make that. Oh, yeah, that should be a part of every leadership conference. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I would I would trust
2: any pastor who signed up for that breakout session at a pastor's conference. Totally would trust them so much more. Yes, yes. Nice. Well, <laughs> folks, send us your thoughts, send us your questions to pirate monk podcast at gmail.com. Is that it? I said that without confidence all of a sudden. monk Podcast at gmail.com. That sounds right. Yes. Uh we'd love yes, to hear it it from you. And, oh, man, Nate, you haven't got to do this the last few weeks. I almost did your closing. I'm getting too comfortable oh, did you? doing okay. you.
1: All right, go ahead. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Frankie. Okay. I want to be Frankie this week. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, and we are your pals on the Pirate Month Podcast.
2: Go Frankie!